You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Love that song. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles while you're standing and turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And this is a great psalm, and uh, I want to read the whole thing. It's not too long, Psalm number 19. The 19th Psalm, and uh, you'll probably recognize it right away as soon as we start reading it. And I want to focus specifically, though, on the last half of the psalm tonight. And uh, we'll just be looking at some of these phrases and, uh, and helping it to prove the point that we're making tonight. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Okay, there are kind of two types of revelation. Um, does anybody know what kind of revelation Psalm 19.1 might be speaking about? This kind of revelation, what would it be? Natural, I would say general revelation, uh, that God reveals himself through creation. Uh, the, the, the heavens declare the glory of God, of the, the Lord, or the, of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. And uh, if people can look at nature and say all they see is nature, they're not looking deep enough. If you look into the skies and you, you consider all that is in the skies, and you, you, you stand at the base of a mountain, you stand at the top of the Grand Canyon, if you truly are thinking, you're thinking, whoever made this is incredible. That's really what you should be thinking. Verse 2, it says, Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You can see general revelation everywhere. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world... In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. We go from general revelation to a different kind of revelation in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So we go from creation to God's word. What kind of revelation would you call this? Specific revelation. Uh, You've got general revelation in creation, then you have specific revelation. God revealing himself specifically through his word. He does it to everybody through creation And he does it specifically for us through his word. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. 
Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What a great psalm. We really could spend a lot of time in it. We're going to focus just on the phrases that apply to God's word tonight. And, uh, and look at there, maybe just take some, dissect some of this a little bit here in just a moment. Let's pray and ask God to bless our, our time. Father, we pray that you bless the reading of your word and pray that you'd help our time together to be profitable in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So tonight we're continuing in our series on Baptist doctrine. I, I've been calling it Why Baptist with a question mark. Why are we Baptist? What do we believe? And, and so far, the only subject that we've looked at is biblical authority, God's word. And, you know, on my mind, I'm thinking we'll spend a sermon or two, uh, one message or two on this. But as you start to look at God's word, I'm really every Wednesday night, the rest of our lives, we could just look at God's word. We could just study God's word and the idea of God's word and everything we believe is founded on it. And so far, the attributes that we've looked at are that God's word is, is inspired, that the written words of God or the, the written words of God came from God. The written scripture came from God. He inspired it. And it says in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's a breathing term. So God's word is inspired. God's word is inerrant. And that is what came from God to those human recorders. It was recorded without error. They wrote it down exactly as it was supposed to. Not, not, not in their own interpretation and not what they wanted to do. Uh, Peter said, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The word of God is inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible, meaning that it, the Bible is perfect in its teaching. It never leads us astray. 2 Timothy three seventeen says that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we'll look at that verse a little bit more in a minute. It's also God's word is preserved. That's what we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And that what came from God and what was recorded by men has been preserved in written form for us even still today. As long as men are on the earth, God's word is preserved on the earth. Psalm 12 is where we, we looked. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words. So that we, we believe in verbal inspiration, meaning that God, God literally inspired the words. Not, he didn't just say, hey, here's an idea. Write it down how you want it to be. No, he used that human author's personality and he gave the words to the human author's. Verbal inspiration, the words of the Lord are pure words, Psalm 12 says. And that it's as, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. That's how pure it is. And then he says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Meaning that God is overseeing the preservation of his word. It, it's not up to men to make sure necessarily that that, that God uses men for sure to preserve his word, but it's not my responsibility. Like, if I don't make this happen, it's not going to happen. No, God has a, has, is very interested in his word existing for mankind. He says, thou shalt keep those pure words. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. 
Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever, it says. We're promised that God's word will be available for every generation. And I'm thankful for that promise from God. And last time we looked at a number of verses that reinforced the idea of preservation of God's word. So we're not going to do that tonight, but here at Eastside, and I know I'm speaking mostly to the choir tonight, uh, but we believe God's word has been divinely preserved for the English-speaking people in this authorized King James Version of the Bible. And, and, uh, I, and I'm not trying to, I'm not pri- being proud about that. It's not, you know, that we think we have a better position, but, you know, we only use the King James in our teaching and preaching, and, and I believe it's a matter of practical unity. I, if we all had different versions, uh, it'd be confusing at times. So, yes, it's a practical position, but we just simply believe that the King James, authorized King James Version, is God's word for the English-speaking people. And I know there are a lot of other versions, a lot of options out there, uh, but let me just caution you with this. Things that are different are not the same. And, and that's a good principle to go by. So we, we stick with what's proven. The King James Bible is proven, isn't it? So we stick with it. In addition to scriptural evidence, preservation is also logical. I mean, why would God uh, go to such lengths to give us his words? Not just his ideas, he gave us his words. Why would he go to such meticulous detail with the very words of scripture and then not be concerned about whether or not we have them? I mean, it's logical. If you believe that God inspired his word, it's logical to think that he would allow us to have them uh, through however, whatever form he chooses to do it. He's the one responsible, as we already said. We believe he's able to keep his words on earth for us. So if God inspired his inerrant, infallible word and he preserved it for us, then we must go back to one of the things we talked about at the very beginning of this series, that the Bible is our sole authority. It's where we turn for our answers. We go back to that old term, sola scripture, which means scripture um, alone or only scripture and all truth necessary for salvation And our spiritual lives is found either explicitly or implicitly in the Bible. The Bible's our ultimate authority when it comes to the Christian faith. And here's the word that I want to give you tonight. We've already seen it's inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible, it's preserved. And this word that I I just couldn't skip tonight is the Bible is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient. In meaning, it's inspired, yes, inerrant, and infallible, and preserved, but, but it's also everything that we need. And we live in an era in which people are depending on all kinds of things to fix their problems, and there are a lot of problems to fix. So think about all the places these days that people turn to in order to meet their needs. And it's amazing, if you listen very long, it's amazing how... Uh, our culture, our country has been convinced that the more educated you are, that's the answer. I mean, it's, I mean, they just really, uh, and I grew up in the public school, school system as well. I went to middle school and high school in the public school system. And I remember thinking, all I need is a college degree. If I have a college degree, that's all I need. And all of my problems will be solved. And I was raised in a Christian home with good parents, Bible-believing parents who taught me right. And I, and I remember coming out of high school thinking, 
if I just have a college degree, then everything is fixed. And it's amazing how I didn't even realize, though, as a young man, that that mentality was being fed to me, thinking that the more education you have, the fewer problems you're going to have, the better your life is going to be. And yet some of the people with the biggest problems uh, that I know are some of the most educated people I know. It obviously doesn't always work. Now, I'm not saying that education, especially the kids in here today, education matters, okay? Do school. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but it doesn't fix all your problems. It's not the answer to everything. I think about people, they, they think, well, if I have a better retirement fund, you know, if I just invest more wisely, well, we've seen in the last week or so that um, there, there are no rules in investing anyway, so... I mean, all kinds of stuff happening in the stock market. And they think, if I just get a better job, that'll fix my problems. If I just get rid of this relationship and find a better one, it'll fix it. If I just find some better medication. I mean, I mean these are the kinds of things that our, that our culture is leaning on. And I'm not saying that those things are all bad. I'm not saying that those things don't ever help. They can help, but if you're, if you're looking to a prescription to fix your spiritual problems, it's not going to happen. I mean, think about this. Think about what people are turning to now. And uh, I mean, I think about the government. And it's amazing then now how many Americans lean on the government to fix their problems. I mean, they've re- we've replaced um, God's word and God's sufficiency and, and trusting the government to swoop in and and fix our needs, and, and that mentality is not new, but the government is not the answer to our problems. That's not something the Bible says is a government's responsibility. You know, there's only one source of help that is equipped to meet our every need, and that is God's word. It is sufficient. It contains the words of God that he intended for us to have, and intended for us to have to meet the needs of his people that we would face that from salvation to parenting to finances to sanctification. I mean, let me just remind you that Paul, again, and Timothy said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man or woman or child of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And those words, they mean something. Doctrine uh, it means it's right thinking, thinking right. Um, correction and, and reproof means getting right. Instruction in righteousness, in righteousness means how to live right. The Bible has everything you need. If you, if you need a correction in your life, the Bible can help you there. If you need instruction on how to live in some area in your life, the Bible can help you there. If you, if you need some reproof, like you're going the wrong way and you need something to tell you you're going the wrong way, the Bible can help you there. I mean, just think about all the times in your life as a Christian, the Bible, I, I'm just a verse has been just even read. It doesn't have to be explained or, or preached or anything. You just hear a verse and, and it changes your perspective. You know why? Because it's God's word and it's alive. It, it, it does something that no other words can do. It says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished. I'm not going to hash on uh, perfect, the word perfect anymore. The word perfect means that when truly furnished, it means it's completely equipped. So the Bible can completely equip you to do all that you need to do. Basically, everything we need is in God's word. It's sufficient. And and though that may be the stated belief of many uh, people that say, yes, God's word is sufficient. Yes, God's word is all we need and it's all we turn to. 
you'd be surprised how many schools of thought don't really subscribe to that even though they say it. I mean, I think about religion. Let's just think about Christianity in a traditional sense. Uh, The word of God and tradition, we might say. By traditional Christianity, we might refer to what most people view as maybe Catholicism or Protestants. You know, you've got Catholics and you've got Protestants. That's what many people would view as being traditional Christianity, if you will. And I know those are loose definitions, but that's what many people think. You're either this or you're that. And uh, by the way, as Baptists, we think we're a third category. So we're, we're neither of those. You know, these would be considered by most of those traditional church beliefs. The authority in those kind of churches, though, has, is largely, yes, they look to God's word plus tradition. They look to God's word as their authority, but it's plus. There's a plus sign. The plus sign is tradition. And I, I mean, I've dealt with this even recently um, here at, with guests coming to our church and, and how, yes, they, say, they see what God's word says and they believe what God's word says. But as a child, they've been ingrained in them. They've had this, this, this thought of this certain tradition ingrained in their lives from, a, from childhood. And, and they just can't release it, even though it seems very clear in God's word that, that that tradition and God's word, they, they contradict each other. And, and yet that's the problem many times in, in traditional Christianity is that if there's a conflict between God's word and tradition, which one usually seems to win out? Well, the tradition seems to win and God's word seems to be set down to the side. So you've got the school of thought that says, yes, God's word, but it's tradition. It's God's word plus tradition. Then you have uh, a certain, another chari- uh, Christianity I might would call charismatic Christianity. And this one would be the word of God plus experience. And, and so as much stock as we put into our experiences, I hate to tell you this, but we're not always accurate in our experiences. I mean, I remember one time watching this accident take place um, at, a, uh, at an intersection and this person went, went through the light or tried to turn through the light and this other person went straight through and in my mind I clearly can see well but the, they had the right of way when they turned and yet the uh, many other people that were witnesses to the to this accident said well no that wasn't the case they clearly did not have the right of way and in my mind I was convinced I mean, think about it. You know, your experience is we, that we live in a culture that says, well, my experience is truth. My experience has the authority. And yet, have you ever been dizzy and in a room and you felt like the room was spinning? Was the room spinning? No. And yet, you could be convinced the room is spinning. And that's how there's a certain branch of Christianity that, that really says the word of God, yes, but it's the word of God plus experiences. And that's a, a charismatic approach, you might call it. It says the authority of God's word, yes, we believe it. But my personal experience, even, even if it trumps God, I mean, it goes against or contradicts God's word, my personal experience really wins out. Yeah, yes, God's word says that, but I know what I experienced. You hear that a lot. And so, yes, they say God's word, but it's God's word another. It's, again, God's word plus. So you've got God's word plus tradition, you've got God's word plus experience, and then you've got evangelical Christianity. And this, you might would say, would be God's word plus scholarship. If scholarship, you know, academia and 
studying and, and really dissecting and, and even being critical of things. If scholarship ever conflicts with the word of God, in certain circles, scholarship seems to outsmart the word of God and trump the word of God. You look at a lot of modern scholarship and evangelicalism and, and commentary and Bible studies and new and improved versions. There's always a new one coming out that says it's improved because, you know, you see, this verse is not found in the best manuscripts. You'd be surprised how often that gets stated as a reason for something, for some change to God's word. And they somehow view themselves as the judge of God's word rather than letting God's word be, be the judge of them. This critical thinking, it's God's word plus scholarship. But then you also have biblical Christianity, which is just the word of God plus nothing. And folks, that's what we're trying to be. The Bible's our sole authority. We believe it's sufficient. We believe like Peter that it has all the answers in matters pertaining to life and godliness. And to reinforce that, I just want to look at some verses here in Psalm 19. This is very simple tonight. In Psalm 19, and I just want to look at six statements that, that we get here that, that show us that God's word is always enough. God's word, David just makes it clear, God's word is sufficient. It's always enough. Look at the first in verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now, the law, it doesn't just refer to the Old Testament law, the, new, the, the Ten Commandments. It refers to God's divine instruction. That's, that's how God refers to his instruction. It's the law. He says it's perfect. And that word perfect, again, it, it's comprehensive. It's complete. It is sufficient. It's everything that we need. Scripture is God teaching man everything he needs to live life to the fullest. There's no need for anything else. It says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Convert means to return or turn back or restore. So what it's saying is that the Lord's perfect law, his divine instruction is so powerful and so comprehensive that it can convert or transform a person from the inside out. I mean, can, do, you remember, uh, do you remember when, when you realized that God's word wasn't just affecting your outside, it did something to you on the inside? I mean, when, do you remember the first time you were convicted by the Holy Spirit through his word? I do. Even as a child, I remember sensing such severe, um, such severe conviction over some major sin, like stealing a quarter off my, my sister's dresser. I mean, like three strikes and you're out, like state penitentiary type stuff. But God's word did a number on me, not just on the outside. It changed me on the inside. It converted, it restored. It really means it's taking something broken and returning it back to its original condition. That's the word convert. If you've ever restored a car, if you've ever renovated a house... That's the idea. God's word does that for our souls. From the inside out. See, you, sin had broken you, and yet God's word comes in, and it has such power that it renovates your life. It changes you. It transforms you. Sin broke us, but God's in the, the business of restoring broken lives back to their original design. You know, we're infixable without it. But this is like, you know, they've got so many shows on HGTV, but this is like Fixer Upper Soul Edition. 
And I don't know about you, but I look back and I was just, a, I was a kid when I got saved. So it wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of evil a, a nine-year-old can get into. But I'm telling you, um, some of you were saved later in your lives. And, and you, when you compare what you were to what you are, I mean, I'm telling you, this is Fixer Up Soul Edition. And, and the big reveal, I mean, those big reveals are all dramatic and move that bus and it's a new house. And yet it's nothing like what God did for your soul. When he changed you from the inside out, and it started at salvation, but listen, God's transforming power doesn't just change you. Yes, you're a new creature, old things are passed away, all things are become new, and yet God's still transforming you. He's still, we read in Romans 12, it's not just at salvation, it's a matter of sanctification. How as you become more and more like Christ, he renovates your soul. It's fixer-upper. I love it. If God's word can convert a lost and broken soul, why do we assume that we need anything else to help us be more like Jesus? I mean, if he transformed us in that first moment, why from here on out am I thinking, okay, well, I need this self-help book, and I, I need this now, and I need that. No, if God's word can change your soul, transform you from the inside out, it's all you need to be everything else you need to be for Christ in the rest of your life. It's what you need. Don't lean, toward, don't lean on something else. God's word can fix that which seems too broken to repair. And I'm grateful for that. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It says in verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And that word testimony, what do you think? When you think of the word testimony, um, what do you think? What kind of room do you think of? I think of a courtroom, right? I think of a witness, the testimony of the Lord. Uh, you know, the word of God, what it's saying is this is the most reliable witness. The testimony of the Lord is sure in that this witness doesn't get it wrong. This witness didn't see things un, uh, unclearly. This witness doesn't forget what he sees. This witness remembers every detail. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure. And I, that word means that, it, that his testimony can be believed. It's confirmed. It's faithful. It's reliable. It's like having a star witness. And there's no holes in their backstory. The testimony of the Lord is sure. And I love the word confirmed. Think about it. I've never really thought about the fact that part of the word confirmed is firm. This is a firm foundation. His testimony is that firm. It's like when you, are, you have sure footing. You're trying to walk in, you know, South Dakota sidewalks or, or our parking lot the last couple of weeks. Not, there's some unsure footing. And yet God's word is absolutely sure always. You can trust it to build your life on it. Like a wise man who built his house on the rock. God's testimony is so sure that it makes the simple wise. That's what it says. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Simple means naive. Um, it means foolish. It means open-minded. And, and one person wrote that me, it means open or spacious. That's what simple means, like an open door. And, you know, and, it's, and it really is uh, lifted up these days, isn't it? If you say, if somebody calls you open-minded, it's almost like, it's a big compliment, right? Well, according to this thought, which is what simple really means, it's not so positive because what it's saying is when you leave the door open, um, anything can come in. And that's the idea behind this simple. The, it's a naive person who's undiscerning and ignorant and gullible, but God's word is like the screen door. 
And otherwise, we would be left open. We would have just an open door. We would be left uh, open to any, any uh, influences that come along. But God's word is the screen. And it makes that, that unwise, naive person who's open to everything, it puts a filter suddenly on their lives. And now you, you don't just let everything in because the word of God gives you a sure foundation. You see, without God's word, we're not wise enough to leave ourselves open to what the world is throwing at us. I mean, I, I feel sorry for the people and even God, many of God's people. I feel sorry for the ones that are watching the news these days with no filter to tell them how to think about what's coming through the news. Because if you just open yourself up to what you hear from unregenerate, and like Brother Lydic said on, on Sunday, I mean, evil people, evil workers... And they're pitching an agenda. And they, they're not interested in righteousness. And if you don't have any filter uh, or if you don't have any offset to that in your life, you're just going to buy it hook, line, and sinker. That's why. That's why we need God's word. And that's why, like Brother Leidig said on Sunday night, that's why it's, we, when we meet as a church family, it, we shouldn't view it like, well, we need less of this because I'm busy. No, we should view it like we need more and more of it as we see the day approaching because that, the, all the other information that's coming to counter it, it's not slowing down. The media is not slowing down what they're putting out and news networks are not slowing down what they're putting out. Social media, uh, if it doesn't fit their agenda, they're certainly not slowing down what's being put out. And, so, and, we, and yet we think that we don't need more of God's word as a, as a church family. God help us to be discerning of the fact that so much the more we need it. And you think, well, I've been saved a long time. You know, church doesn't really help me as much as it used to. And I'm just telling you so much the more. As you see the day approaching, um, this, is, this, is, this is not one of those things that, you know, well, it's expendable. Church is one of the optional things. No, we need it. We need God's word. We need God's teaching. We need God's preaching. It's the screen door. It's the filter for us. And it's amazing that the world, you know, you think about what the world does. We're talking about making wise the simple. The world produces people who can't seem to do the basics these days. I mean, their finances are in shambles. And their relationships are broken. They, their work ethic, they, never, they never, were never taught a work ethic. Raising children the right way. I mean, all those things that if you just simply open God's word and read it, he tells you how to do it. And yet the world acts like it's such a mystery to try to figure out relationships. No, if you do things God's way, um, it, it becomes pretty, actually pretty simple. I'm not saying it's easy. Okay, I mean, because uh, that you're asking a man and a woman to live together for decades. Okay, and they're already coming at things from two completely different angles. And, and I truly believe the reason that, that men and women have trouble getting along in marriage is because one's a man and one's a woman. So that's, that's, my, that's my insight for the night. And, you know, that's, that's, that's some good deep stuff right there. But, you know, I look around at the world. They can't seem to do the, the simple things. And, and, and yet... God's people, if you focus on God's word, he tells us how to do those things. We don't have to have an advanced degree to apply his wisdom to our lives as parents. We don't have to have an advanced degree to know how to handle our money and know what to do with our money and what priorities we should have and how to live. No, when we apply God's word, it gives us skill. Wisdom is, is knowledge applied. 
It's, it's knowledge applied. It's, it's teaching us not just what, to, uh, what we know, but how to live it out. And I'm, I think it's interesting that the wisest people aren't the ones with the highest IQs. They're the ones who's li- who live life according to God's word. So we move on, letter, um, verse 8. It says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I love that word rejoicing. You know, the more that I, just lately I have just felt like rejoicing and joy, boy, we need it. We need, to, we need to remember that when you do things God's way, it rejoices the heart. These statutes, these commandments, uh, they're right. They're not just right as opposed to wrong. They're right like to, they're, they're perfect. It's like walking uh, the right path. And God's commandments keep us on the right path. And I mean, I don't know if a GPS has ever gotten you in trouble. It, I mean, it certainly has gotten me in trouble before. Because um, GPSs, yeah, they might tell you where they are, but sometimes they're wrong. And, and, and yet God's word never leads you astray. And so naturally then, when we're on the right path in this maze of life, you know what? You've got joy. You've got confidence. It does something for you inside. Remember, it converts your soul. It's not just outside. It's not just that you're walking right. No, but you know you're walking right. I love um, Proverbs or Psalm 16, 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life, and thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand are, 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 are uh, pleasures forevermore. I love that verse because it just reminds us again that the scripture guides us on the right path of life. And as it does, it gives us joy that can't be found anywhere else. You know the joy that comes when everything is right in your life? And when you're on the right path and you're the one you're supposed to be walking, listen, you cannot put a price tag on joy and peace. And yet the world thinks those things don't matter and yet, I'm telling you, you know when something's not right in your life or something's not right in, in somebody else's life and there's a certain heaviness about it. You know what I'm talking about? And, you, and something's just not right. And for a moment, you, I mean, maybe you go to sleep and you wake up and it's a new day. And as you're brushing your teeth, you remember why everything's so heavy again. Or maybe for a moment, you just kind of forget what's going on and and, and you get distracted long enough to forget, and then suddenly this situation pops back up, and now it's heavy again. You know what I'm talking about. You can't escape that. I was just reading a story this week about a professional Major League Baseball player, and, and in the middle of, of, of quarantine, he, I mean, he was making all kinds of money, and, but in the middle of quarantine, he had just lost all of his hope. And he, and he tried to kill himself, and he survived. Uh, with scars for the rest of his life. And I was just reading this story and I'm thinking, uh, you know, he has everything the world says you need to have joy. He has everything that you think this is the recipe for peace. This is the recipe for joy and yet he didn't have it because it's internal joy and it only comes through God's word and it's not about your outward circumstances. It's about if you're right with the Lord or not. That's, word, that's true joy. And listen, God's word brings joy even when circumstances aren't something to be happy about. That's what God's word can do for you. Tonight, if you, if you don't feel like, man, God's, I don't know if God's word really is sufficient. God's word is sufficient even when your circumstances are dire. And I'm grateful for that truth. Verse 8, again, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The, commandments of the, Lord is, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes 
I mean, these are, I, we could, there's so many here. God, green, that enlightening the eyes is just referring to the fact that God's word, it's kind of like putting on glasses that might make everything clear. God's word brings clarity to confusion. We can keep looking at this, verse 9, the ju- fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And there's a lot of good stuff here. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm, we could just, we're just going to skip most of, of this. I just want to encourage you to read these. You know, you go down here and you look down again in verse uh, 11 in the words of God. From the word of God, it says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Boy, what, I mean, God's word does something for us that we can't find anywhere else. And I, the judgments of the Lord, they're true and righteous all together. You know, judgment means verdicts. And have you ever been incensed at an unjust verdict in a, in a courtroom? Have you, have you recently um, found yourself just angry at how things are headed and how people are making judgments about things that don't have righteousness at all in their minds? Well, the judgments of the Lord are true. God's word is truth, and it's absolute, and in the end, guess what? He's, he's going to make it all right. But many today reject absolute truth, and, and the Bible's under attack, and, and it's tough to stand up and say, God's word is always right. I mean, especially when, when much of, of, of the lifestyle of sin that we see in our culture today is directly opposed to God's word. And so for us then to stand up and say, no, God's word says this about it, um, you know, that's not going to be popular. It's going to put a target out on Eastside Baptist Church someday. Now, just, just in reading about, about how our statement of faith and, and those kinds of things and, and our, our constitution, and we have, now we have to have things, certain things in our constitution or in our statement of faith. Um, that will protect us because someone's going to come after us someday if we stand behind this pulpit and say this lifestyle is not correct or this lifestyle is sin or this act is sin. You know, it's not popular, but, but the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And we buy that. It's sufficient. We, what we believe, uh, you know, in this book is true. And what it says about creation is true. Kids going to public school, what the Bible says about creation is true. What it says about sin is true. What it says about salvation is true. What it says about history is true. What it says about everything is true. You can trust it. And if it's absolute truth, friend, you don't need anything else. And I just want to say it one more time. God's word has everything you need to live as you ought to. We could go on and on, but I just want to remind you the power of God to restore the broken and to make wise the simple, to give joy when circumstances are hard, to give clarity and, and when things appear muddy, to give truth that still applies and to make us righteous like we need to be. That power is found in this all-sufficient, complete, and comprehensive revelation of God that we hold in our hands tonight. God's word is enough. And we, 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 we hold to that as a church. But I'm just asking, do you... Do you practice that as a Christian? We say, yes, praise the Lord. Our pastor got up and he said, God's word is sufficient. It's all we need. It's everything we need. It is, it is enough. But is it enough for you? Do you live like God's word is enough? 
Do you turn to it first when you're broken? I mean, is this your first stop? When things don't go your way and when things fall apart, when you need wisdom, is this the first place you look to or do you make a phone call? When you need clarity on a situation, do you immediately pick up the phone and ask somebody or do you seek God's word? Because, I mean, as much as mentors and more, and more mature Christians want to help you, God's given you the same Bible he's given anybody else. You can find wisdom in his word. Do you, do you say, do you believe God's word is enough? And by that, then I would ask this, do you believe, visit it daily? Jesus Christ calls it his daily, our daily bread, right? So do you live like you need it that often? I mean, we're pretty good at being stricter on our schedule about eating, aren't we? And yet when it comes to what our soul needs, sometimes we're pretty sporadic. Are you relying on someone else's walk with the Lord? Are you assuming that that's enough for you? Are you just kind of eating the breadcrumbs from someone else's walk with the Lord? Or is this enough for you? You don't have to. God's word is all you need. It's enough for you, friend. It's not just for me. It's not just for someone else. It's not just for your spouse. It's not just kids. It's not just for your parents. Although your parents have a lot of good answers but there's no one in this room right now too young to start eating from the daily bread. You can, God's word is enough for you. So what's your biggest problem right now? I mean, if you had a Mount Rushmore of your problems, there's four faces on it, four problems, not just faces, not just people, but problems. What's on your Mount Rushmore? Well, I'm just telling you, It may take some trust and it may take some digging and it may take some resolve, but God's word can answer every single one of those. It's all you need. It's sufficient. I remember once my wife and I, we went to Red Robin and Red Robin, yes, Red Robin's got good good burgers, but Red Robin has something else that sets it apart. Does anybody remember what they bring out before and they'll bring it out as long as you want it? Steak fries. And so we went to Red Robin and we like to get the steak fries and they have really good seasoning. And, and this time we were just especially hungry, you know. Sometimes we share at a place like that. And man, I'll tell you about that later, how that works. But um, we'll go to a place and we'll share. And, and especially the place that brings the steak fries. Because we're like, we're going to get our fill at Red Robin. So we both decided this time, we're like, we're extra hungry. So Aaron's like, I'm going to get my own burger. I'll get my, I got my own burger. And we started eating and and, you know, I was able to polish off my burger, but I look over at her and she can't swallow anymore. And she said, and I remember her very distinctly telling me, she said, I, I, why did I ever doubt that this would not be, or that this would be enough? And I remember just laughing about it because, you know, when you go to a place like that and your eyes are too big for your stomach sometimes. But, you know, this, the same thing is very true about God's word. Somehow, we convince ourselves that it won't be enough. And going in, we think, okay, you know, I need something else because this is not going to be enough. But listen, when you have truly trusted the bread of life and you've truly turned to God's word as your all-sufficient resource to answer whatever you're facing in your life, I'm telling you, you will never be left empty. You will never go to God's word and trust it as sufficient and come away saying, I, boy, that was just, that just sure wasn't enough. 
No, when you do that right, you'll come away saying, I can't believe I doubted that it would be enough. God's word is enough. It's enough for Eastside Baptist Church. That's where we stand. But it's also enough for you. It's time to start reading it. It's time to meditate on it. Time to memorize it. Think about it. Listen to it. Open it at home. Talk about it at home with your family. It's time to respond to it when it's preached and it pricks your heart. And when you're troubled or you need answers or you need encouragement, turn here first. It's always, always, always enough. God's word is sufficient. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. And we're going to have a time of invitation here. God's word is enough. I don't know what you're facing. And I don't know what's troubling you. I don't know what thought pops up in your head every once in a while to bring you back down to reality. When things are going well and then suddenly the heaviness comes again. I don't know what that is in your life. But whatever it is, whatever's on your Mount Rushmore of trouble, I'm just telling you tonight, God's word is enough. It's sufficient. And whatever other source of help you have turned to, it may help you for a moment. It may distract you for just a time. But God's word is the ultimate answer. It is the fixer. It's the fixer for all of our problems. And it is all we need. As a church but also as individuals. And I pray that you, tonight that you'll turn to it for the answers that you need. Father, I pray that you'd bless our time and invitation, Lord. And if you've worked in anyone's life tonight, I pray that you'd give us freedom to respond this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.